HealthWise. something that we drew a lot of attention with recently when we published an article about how when doctors go on strike throughout the world, <laughs> death rates go down. Yes. And this this result has like happened all over the place. It happened first in Israel when there was a 50% drop in mortality rates when um, doctors decided to go on strike yeah. and they uh-huh. If I remember correctly, Sarah... Um, it wasn't the doctors or any other care group that reported it. This ended up being reported by the funeral homes who noticed a sudden spiraling drop in business. And then the funeral home people were able to trace it back to the doctor strike. Yeah, and um, well, it happened twice in Israel. And the funeral home workers there noted that, it, that this sort of mortality drop had only happened twice. And that was both times that they had this doctor strike. And this isn't just bad Israeli medicine. Well, it's bad mainstream medicine. Mm-hmm. This happened in um, L.A. They went on strike for um, just a month, and there was an 18% drop. Now, Imagine if it had been six months. Exactly. The longer they go on strike for, the, um, <clears throat> the lower the mortality rate is. I mean, kind of flies in the face of what we see. And here in the regular media and on the TV, you know, about all these shows and reports about how doctors are saving lives. Just supposed to warm your heart. Yeah, and you, most people think that whenever they do accidentally hurt somebody or even kill somebody, that they're helping much more than they're hurting. And with the statistics like this, you have to wonder to what degree that's the case. Yeah, well, I remember a day or two ago we were looking up statistics for a movie we're making. I'm not even going to go on about the movie or anything. Because that's a whole other topic. But we were looking over some of our old statistics that we had dug up long ago. One of the things we dug up was the 2005 census. The 2005 census is a group of statistics, of course, that are made by essentially a third party. When you're talking about health ideas, you see the government supposedly isn't involved. It's independent of the current medical system. At least it was before Obamacare. It was. So, we were looking at the death statistics, mm-hmm. the calls of death statistics from the U.S. Census. And number four, number four on the list was medical. And it was for properly prescribed drugs. These are reactions for properly prescribed drugs. 
not necessarily medical mistakes. Yeah. It oh, was number four. Drugs that cause adverse effects and end up killing people. It was number four. Cause of, of death in the United States. It was number four. Yeah, it was like behind cancer, heart disease, and, and stroke. And stroke. Now that alone, for me at least, it's a, it's a floor stopper. When you say it's number four, that actually means it's like number one or number two. The reason being is because most people who die of cancer die of the treatments. So if cancer is reason number three and medicine is reason number four, then automatically medicine becomes number three as well, since most of those cancer deaths well, do the treatments. Well, I go further than that, Thomas. If you look at, you know, <clears throat> the heart disease, heart disease, if you don't know, is the leading cause of death in the United States and has been for a long time. Ever since um, they started saving us from butter, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, with the amount of cholesterol drugs that are being pushed by the mainstream medical establishment that result in further heart problems, that just is to blame for at least some of the heart problems that we have in our society today, too. And when you put together all the diseases that are caused by the medications, whether it be diabetes and diabetic-related deaths, those obviously from chemotherapy and radiation, and those by the cholesterol drugs, I mean, you've got to... Well, isn't, isn't the American Heart Association still telling people to eat margarine? Yeah. After all this time, they're still telling people well, to kill themselves with margarine. Well, at least over butter, yes. I don't know. I think they're like recommending cronola now, too. I know a lot of groups are. Well, I know that there's um, so-called heart-healthy margarines out there now that contain canola oil. Well, to me, it seems obvious that whatever treatments are there for a particular problem, especially a severe chronic problem, it's not there because it's the most effective. Pretty much in every case, the science says just the opposite. The science said the treatments are making it worse. They should use an alternative. Yeah. Okay, the, the statistics are there. Obviously, there has to be another reason. And um, I would say in most cases that's either a business reason or even more insidiously that it goes further than that. It's part of a long-term agenda that most people don't want to talk about. Yeah. Well, it's like um, there was a study done at the request of Congress on mm -hmm. the efficacy of most modern medical treatments. Mm -hmm. And this showed that only 20% of modern treatments have ever been put through a controlled trial and been proved to be... It was like, did it say 10 to 20 percent? I'm going off the top of my head, but I think it was... A lot 10 to 20. And that was a, a independent third-party review that was made for the U.S. Congress about medical treatments in the United States. They pretty much had to tell the truth about the situation, because if they did not tell the truth, then they're, well, in contempt of Congress, which means they spend the rest of their life in prison. So they had a real big motivation not to fudge the numbers. Yeah. You know, when you say procedures, you assume, well, they're talking about various surgeries for things, you know, cataracts, gallbladder, what have you. But no. And I actually checked, and in the text of the document, the term procedure meant pretty much everything across the board, which included pharmaceuticals, meaning only 10 to 20% of them at very most were ever actually tested in independent third-party trials. Yeah, and especially when they're actually found to be um, effective when they were. Mm -hmm. And that's just, yeah. You know, but back to that census thing, when you look at the number of people who have strokes and you look at the numbers of survival amongst untreated versus treated people, 
Same with heart disease. Same way with cancer. And then when you consider that in regards to the establishment actually being documented by the census as being the fourth largest killer in the United States, when you combine all that together, I would say it would almost certainly mean that the establishment is the number one killer. Yeah. I mean, they've already admitted in, what was it, like 10 years ago, by, by the AMA's own statistics. This is a different set of statistics. This is for the AMA. But the AMA's own statistics from like 10 years ago, they said they killed 106,000 people every year with properly prescribed medications, mm-hmm. with anticipated results, you know, side effects that killed them. Well, I believe this 2005 one that I found <laughs> was set at 126,000 people it grows every, every year. year. Every year it goes up. That's the number of deaths from properly prescribed medications. That doesn't count the mistakes. Yeah. I mean, do you know how many people are accidentally killed in surgery? Well, there's those that are killed in surgery. <laughs> the You know, the physician makes the wrong call. It's against, you know, the books. And then there's the whole thing with prescriptions. Both prescriptions aren't readable because doctor's handwriting is notoriously bad. Mm-hmm. Or a problem goes wrong with the um, pharmacy. Well, I think I think part of the problem now is, is it's not just the fact that people are getting medications and they're getting more potent. But there's this new trend of giving out cocktails, particularly with these psychiatric medications. You know, it's like never one anymore. Well, yeah. And, you know, they like to talk about how everything's tested. Well, who's tested the combination of Paxil with Prozac? With Wellbutrin and, and, and so forth. Yeah. 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 No I was I was one of the uh, original Ritalin kids. I grew up on Ritalin, but it was never mixed with anything else. And Ritalin was the only thing used on me because... It was the only thing considered safe enough to use. What happened to those rules, those ethical rules that used to exist? They've been thrown out of the window when you have pharmaceutical companies who quite literally bribe doctors to prescribe their drugs. Medications? Yeah, and they'll say, you know, you prescribe 10 of these in the next so many months, and we'll give you this bonus. That's bribery to anyone. Yeah. And this is medicine that regular doctors won't have. They won't take. Oh, my gosh, that, that reminds me of the chemo thing, Sarah. The, uh-huh. the, my gosh. There was like two different sets of uh, numbers with two, uh, what was it, surveys that were taken amongst doctors. Yeah. There was that one you were telling me about that they asked an oncologist, which, of course, everyone probably knows is a cancer doctor. They asked them that if they had lung cancer, would they take chemo? And this is the National Institutes of Health, right? Yeah. That's that chemo was, and radiation for chemo, lung cancer. Okay. And 98% of the cancer doctors, the oncologists, said they wouldn't use their own treatments. Yeah. That they would never use their own treatments. 98% is like an astronomical. It's like, it's like unanimous. You and know? hell, it probably had a 2% margin of error there, Sarah. It could have been 100%. Yeah. I bet you there was at least a 2% margin of error on that mm-hmm. that survey. And then there was that other one. Um, I'm not sure if it was the NIH or the CDC. I remember we wrote about it. And honest to goodness, they... 80% of the doctors out there wouldn't take chemo or radiation. It didn't matter whether it was lung cancer or whatever kind of cancer it was. Mm-hmm. They just would not prescribe it to themselves or their families. And then there was like 70 to 80% of them that was in another survey that wouldn't take flu vaccines because, and I, and I quote, the, the reasons were for safety and efficacy. Well, there was hysteria last year, you know, in the H1N1 thing. Uh-huh. When the doctors and so forth were told that they were going to have to 
I'd take these two to take the vaccines to protect people. Oh my and all God. of a sudden, there was hysteria. Yeah, it was like the shit in the van, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really was. I mean, they were so worried about it because of safety and efficacy concerns. Yeah. Even those who actually quite literally injected people with mm-hmm. these uh, flu vaccines. And they with doctors and nurses. And I remember particularly it was in New York. I'm not sure what city in New York. Uh-huh. It was in the state of New York. Maybe it wasn't a city. Maybe it was a statewide policy. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the doctors were livid about it, that they did not want these vaccines. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they give them to people all the time. How how can people be like that? I don't know. And this is the same people ostracize those who, you know, don't want to take vaccines. Uh, those who you know, Well, I guess there's, there's a role for them and there's a role for us, I yeah. guess. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, let's move on. Well, there's now a um, plan to link up prescription databases throughout states, creating a national mm-hmm. database with everyone's prescription information on it, what prescriptions they've had for what health condition prescribed by which doctor. Mm-hmm. This is being looked at as something great to try and curb um, prescription drug abuse. Mm-hmm. It's really a way to track people, isn't it? To have more control. Yeah, that's exactly what they're looking for. Well... People don't think that'll be a problem, but let me give you an example of things being a problem, our privacy being a problem. Recently, I was flipping around through the news, and this woman went to the hospital to deliver her child. While there, the hospital took some blood for some testing. And, of course, nobody thought anything of it. The woman cooperated completely. What they didn't bother to tell her was that they were sending her blood to the lab for drug testing. Now, it had nothing to do with her health or the health of her baby. They gave her a drug test at the hospital because they've got a partnership with the Child Protective Services. So that when anybody comes to deliver a child who appears to have been taking drugs, you know, they've come up with the wrong test result, then the Child Protective Services can swoop in and steal the baby the minute it's born. That's truly sick. I, I can't even find to put it into words how disgusting that is. Yeah. In one particular case, and this is what finally got it to make the news, because, you know, the, those poor drug people, the ones who are addicted to drugs, they don't get any rights, do they? I mean, they're like less than human. Well, the... um. They got somebody who wasn't really using drugs. The woman had been taking poppy seeds on, you know, she had it on like her hamburger bun. Yep. And the poppy seeds, of course, gave a false positive for opium. And they took her child away for it. Yeah, they were right there as soon as it was born. During a vital time for the bonding of the mother and child. You couldn't do it any worse. No. I mean, you really couldn't. Of course, there's that other case where they're claiming that they took a child in part, at least, because the guy was associated with the Oath Keepers. Yeah. If you have the wrong friends now, they can take your children, too. Mm-hmm. The Oath Keepers is an organization mm-hmm. made up of uh, military and law enforcement and people who have made an oath to defend the Constitution, and, um, well, yeah. they're willing to follow it. Yeah, basically, they take an oath to follow their previous oath of office to defend the Constitution, and not to turn on that. That, In other words, if they're told to disarm the American public and turn against their own people and help declare martial law, then these military and and, and police oath-keeping personnel 
have sworn to violate their orders, to violate their orders in the defense of their country, because following such orders is treason. What gets me, Thomas, is that in this, um, well, in this document, uh, you know, the affidavit or whatever it was that was used that mentioned his Oathkeeper affiliations, it mentioned mm -hmm. it was a militia group. It's now, not even true. But even if it was, mm -hmm. militia group itself specifically in the Constitution. Granted, yes. Yeah. In fact, that's the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. Because the founders knew how important The founders knew that the right to keep arms shall be maintained for a well-related, oh, what is it? Well-regulated militia. Well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free people. You see, a militia isn't our enemy. They're not crazies. They're not the bad guys. The militia people, they're on our side. They're like the defense between us and them whenever the government gets too out of control. Literally, they're going to be there defending our lives. So if you know anybody in the militia, go up and, you know, put your arm around them and say thank you. You yeah. really should. Since we were talking about um, Oath Keepers and, and police officers, this new prescription database that will be crossing across the country is going to be accessible to any police officer without a warrant or charges. Oh, you don't need a stinking warrant, Sarah. Again, that's just that, crazy. that constitution thing gets in the way. Yeah, that silly constitution. It, it's been gone for a while now. They don't need that thing. Yeah. <laughs> All you need to do is say that you have an investigation mm -hmm. open and you have full well, access well, to basically, medical records. Basically, this just leaves the door open for more encroachment, more martial law in the future, basically. Like, for instance, if you're somebody who's got the wrong opinion, you know, the wrong political opinion, you're a problem, you run a, a website about alternative medicine or something, yeah. well, if they can go through your medical records and look every time you've got a narcotic. Of course, every time you hurt yourself and needed a painkiller, well, you were prescribed a narcotic. And then they can use that as, quote, evidence to say that you're interested in narcotics, that you have a history of narcotics. And so, of course, then they have their, you know, fabricated excuse to come busting your door in at three in the morning with machine guns. Yeah. And German shepherds, of course. So it's like further the drug war, you know. Just as like California and a bunch of other states are trying to pull away from the drug war, you've yeah. all got some more trying to push it further. Well, well it's there. this is going to shock a lot of people out there. But I came really close to being a cop. Before I studied engineering in college, I went to another college. And I studied justice and judicial policy. What was it called? Justice and Public Paul, it's been so long ago. But I went there with the goal of eventually being a state trooper. Now, while there, I met a lot of cops, a lot of career cops who were the professors yeah. for the law enforcement program. One of the professors, and I was gung-ho at that time. You know, I was like imagining myself in the car with music in the background going, bad boys, bad boys. I mean, it, I was just all freaked out about being a cop. Decided, young, stupid, naive. Had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was in class, and I had this teacher who had been a police officer for New York City for like 15 years. I know you're not native here to America, but being a police officer in New York is a little bit like being a police officer in L.A. In LA. You're part of the elite. This isn't some small-town hit Hillbilly Police Department. Yeah. 
So everybody really respected this professor, this former cop professor. And one day in class, he made the remark, the war on drugs is really a war on the Bill of Rights. And like, it was like silent. Mm-hmm. All these gung-ho cop kids. You know, you could hear a pin drop. And that just burnt me up. It burnt me up so bad. I was mad at that guy. I was like, how the heck could you say that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I, I never realized it, but I guess it made me so mad at the time because somewhere deep down, I knew he was right. Yeah. I've come to realize it is the truth. There is no logical reason for the drug war. The same government that's outlawed them, that's making such a big hoodoo about it, that's putting so many people in prison for it, is the same group of people who are importing the hard stuff into this country. Yeah. I was just going to say that these drugs that have been outlawed, too, are the things that used to be used as pain medications. The pharmaceuticals. People, people can no longer treat themselves for pain-related illnesses. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm talking mm-hmm. not necessarily chronic disease, because you can get rid of that. I'm talking if you break your leg or something, mm-hmm. if you rupture an organ somehow. Such a self fire, you know. Yeah, there's no way for you to do anything about it without actually going to the high priest, call the doctor, and begging him for a prescription. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do it. Now, in previous times, you'd have had options like marijuana. You would have had options like growing your own opium. Nitrous oxide. Yeah. And you'd um, also, even the um, natural coca plant that cocaine comes from, mm-hmm. in its raw, pure form, was used for uh, pain relief. Yeah, that, that's what they really have you, too. It's, it's the pain stuff. Because there is, like, nothing, nothing you can do about pain without either going to them and begging for their help yeah. Or breaking the law. I find it amazing that our like, find, founding fathers of this country were like, growing opium and, of course, um, marijuana slash hemp. Yeah. And yeah. yet, you know, now it's like, you know, banned here. That's why, yeah, and that's why the Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been able to withstand, you know, these hundreds of years. If they had been written on regular paper, they would have fallen apart by now. But they were written on hemp paper. And hemp paper is vastly superior to regular paper. You can make plastic out of it. There's something like 6,000 uses for it. Yeah. And that doesn't even count marijuana as a medicine. Well, they found a way to make, I don't know if I told you this, but they found a way to make concrete out of hemp that is actually harder than regular (coughs) concrete that we're using now, which is just, you know, incredible. And they're studying that that. now, and that it's given, you know, more credence to those who want to legalize hemp and get the licenses off of it for growing it, but we'll just have to see how that goes. Well, it's cannabis that should be legalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it, it's the medicine. It's the medicine for so many things. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and move on. All right. The, uh, over in Greece now, yeah, they have a socialized medical system, and they have since mm-hmm. the mid-1980s. Obamacare, huh? Basically. Now, they're running out of money like the rest of the civilized world is right now. Well, Sarah, when you're running something spending other people's money, you always run out. Isn't that what Margaret Thatcher said? Well, the problem with socialism is that you always run out of other people's money. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so true. Over <laughs> in the UK, they've already run out of people's money, and they shut down nursing homes and mm-hmm. um, 
sent old people home, denied them um, knee transplant, knee replacements, you know? Well, there's, there's aren't necessary, Sarah. Yeah. Those are just luxury items. Well, um, over in Greece, mm-hmm. they're taking a, a similar approach. They're deciding to refuse to issue diabetic shoes to those who are diabetic uh-huh. and instead saying that you can go ahead and get an amputation for your foot. Why don't they just save a little money and get a leg peg? Do the whole pirate thing? Yeah, you see, they would opt to just go ahead and kill these people early, but then they wouldn't be able to pay taxes. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's true. They could really save some money if they just go ahead and finish them off, couldn't they? Yeah. Just a burden on the system. A right? burden on the system. Kind of like the old people in England are getting thrown out of the uh, homes because yeah. the healthcare system has decided that they're just parasites. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, this, um, the Greek socialized board was saying that these people are going to have to get an amputation in a few years anyway, so let's just go ahead and do yeah, that now. They don't need those, those three or four years of walking, do they? I mean, that would just be crazy. And not only mm-hmm. is this nothing short of evil, but it's also wrong. Well, the thing is, is if the people get the shoes, Sarah, mm-hmm. and they're actually able to walk because they have the diabetic shoes, then they might not actually even need the amputation in the first place. You took the words right out of my mouth, exactly. It's more of a preventative mm-hmm. medicine, the shoes that don't stop the circulation so mm-hmm. much in your feet, designed to get you walking to improve your blood sugar so that your diabetic can actually, by diabetes can start reversing. What's really amazing is Greece is where the father of medicine lived, Hippocrates. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, I came from the UK, and so I've mm-hmm. had my own my own experience with um, nationalized or socialized healthcare. Mm-hmm. After Michael Moore's movie Sicko, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people started looking at it differently. They started thinking, well, just maybe it is a desirable option, since you know, sixty percent of bankruptcies in this country are caused by the medical establishment. Sixty percent, mm-hmm. but. I've been there. And if you break your arm, it's great. The medical establishment there will work if you have a sudden thing like that. But if you get diagnosed with something that's going to take longer than that, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because you can't see a specialist unless you're a regular doctor, your GP, which is just like your regular family doctor. Like an MD here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. will have to make the decision to refer you, and not only that, he will he will choose exactly who to refer you to. You'll see who they tell you to see, won't you? Yeah, I mean... And, and you'll do it when they tell you to see him. Yeah, and that's by name. He won't just give you a card that says you can now go to a specialist. No, he will refer you specifically to that specialist by mm-hmm. contacting the specialist himself. Then that specialist will contact mm-hmm. you and make an arrangement which may well be months down the line and there's nothing that you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And even if you opt for privatized healthcare, which there are some private hospitals over there, small ones, you'll still be paying the taxes for the nationalized system, even if you're not In addition to what you're paying for your, your other care. Exactly. And your insurance for the other care. Yeah, so for most of the people, it's like, why would you? No one it's can like, afford to. Everyone's it's like you're forced into the system because if you're not in the system, well, you're going to pay three times. Yeah. And... With it bankrupting 60% of the people, who can afford to pay three times what they're paying now? Yeah. That's what's, what we've got to look forward to, mm-hmm. that kind of system that we're going to pay for whether we like it or not. And don't believe the crap that they're spewing because you're going to pay more. You're going to pay more because you're not going to have a choice anymore because you're going to pay whatever they want you to pay now. It's not going to be a competition thing. 
Yeah. Well, in a way, though, Tom, I I have to look at these two systems. And actually, I'm glad that healthcare, at least chronic disease management, which is modern healthcare for the most part, isn't free. And it's, it's a blessing in disguise. People don't know it. It is. Because when, when people see how much something's going to cost and they hear about a CAT scan, which is, you know, several thousand on its own, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, they're um, inclined to look somewhere else to do their own research. And by default, people nowadays in this era turn to the Internet. And mm-hmm. that's where there are just more options for people. You know, they're going to get safer and cheaper and options. And with the independent alternative media on the Internet, there's actually a chance they'll stumble across the truth. And they'll end up saving money in the current system. But if it was free, I think more people will actually die if we have it's free like, healthcare. Yeah, it's like if, if the system were free, and that's another lie, it's not free. We're just going to pay more for it, and it's not even going to be a choice anymore. But if it were f- really free and, and you know, there were no limits, yeah, the, the carnage would like go through the roof, wouldn't it? I mean, we were talking about it's already number four, and I would say it's probably closer to number one when you combine the number of heart attack deaths who were actually died by medicine, not the actual heart failing, mm-hmm. or the number of cancer patients who were treated, you know, killed by treatments instead of the cancer. Um, I would say that the, they kill more than the third, higher than fourth place. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, I want to ask you. What do you think about your new birthday present? Oh, yes, Thomas. The the vaccination gift card? Yeah, the one I gave you from Walgreens. Well, i got to tell you, Thomas, I really appreciate that. That's a birthday gift that will keep on giving all year round. It, just, it warms your heart, doesn't it? Yes, you can, yes, it does. That now you have a gift card. You can walk into any Walgreens in the United States and get any flu vaccination that you want. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. That That is. I, I was thinking, what is the best birthday present I could get? It was very thoughtful, because the um, only gift that will guaranteed to work all the way until next my next birthday. Yeah. Yeah, it's certified, isn't it? And I heard, better yet, the recent flu vaccination contains H1N1. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I did it, Sarah, because I said, you know, we don't want our Sarah catching the swine flu. There's just no way that we can let that happen. So I, I was looking out for you there, Sarah. Thank you, Thomas. Mm-hmm. And you know what's great about the swine flu? Let me tell you what's really great about it. What's that? It's patented. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't know how many people know this yet. Uh, we did an expose on it. But the swine flu was patented two years before it existed. Yeah. Now, I thought, how did they do that? Were they psychic? And, and, of course, to patent a virus, it can't be out normal in the wild. It's not a normal because virus. an altered natural thing. Yeah, you, can, you can't alter a part of nature. That's, that's illegal. To patent something, you have to have something that's been altered, which, of course, means the swine flu is genetically engineered. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was a requirement of the patent. And it actually says in the patent, it actually says... This is genetically engineered inside the patent. Yeah. The one that appeared two years before. Yeah, and it the, went the flu. on, but it's um. It's it's one of those that they had a vaccine for before the disease existed. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah Isn't that did. amazing? Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, here's the thing though. Well, we checked the dates on this swine flu vaccine, the swine flu vaccine when it came out, and all that sort of thing when it mm-hmm. came out in the fresh last year. 
And how it turned out was that the first places of swine flu that we could find that, actually, that occurred in the world happened about two months after the approval of this patent. Yeah, after the patent got approved, that suddenly this laboratory-engineered virus somehow just appeared in the wild yeah. and was spreading among the general population. Isn't that amazing? Interesting timing. It, it was, it was. Um, it kind of reminds me, in a less evil, less insidious way, of restless leg syndrome. Remember, they came out with a drug, but they didn't have anything to treat with it, so they had to invent the new disease. Yeah, like, restless did, did leg anyone syndrome. really have restless leg syndrome before the commercials started coming out on TV? I'm I, I did. I did, Sarah. <laughs> uh-huh. I still need treatment for that. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, you, you ought to get me some since I got you that gift card. Yeah, That right. really nice. Uh, I'll do that. Thank you, Sarah. So we're just, just trying to take care of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What are we on to next, Sarah? Let's see. There's a treatment that, that some women are choosing who have um, curly hair who are trying to straighten it. You go into a salon and you pay in excess of $250 to have your hair straightened with this new method. Mm-hmm. The brand of the product is called Brazilian Blowout. Now, I'm sorry, that name. There was a previous expose which showed that it was containing formaldehyde, and so they went away, took it off the market, reformulated it, mm-hmm. put it back on the market with a new um, formaldehyde-free label. Mm-hmm. Well, now there have been tests done by the Oregon Health and Science University. It's got even more formaldehyde in it now, doesn't it? 12% well, yeah, from 10 to 12. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm not sure what it was the first time, but there have been two separate studies, one in Canada <clears throat> and one in Oregon, and they're both issuing alerts right now mm-hmm. to say that this product has massive amounts of formaldehyde in it. Now, did you ever find out, Sarah, if this product requires heat or not? Uh, I'm not sure whether it does or not. I don't believe so. I know it's sprayed on and so it's inhaled. I know that many mm-hmm. of those who are actually applicating this um have complained about their eyes watering up and swelling and so forth. Well, one of the main reasons why aspartame is so harmful is because it turns into formaldehyde in the body. Exactly. And um, if you're getting some in through the lungs and through, you know, skin absorption at the same time over the scalp, then it's not going to be real good for you. Yeah. Well, I know that afterwards they do apply heat with a uh, hair straightener in addition to the chemical, but... Mm-hmm. Other than that, I couldn't tell you, but it's like they're trying to poison us through, you know, any route any possible. Way. Yeah. yeah, like the green cereal. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about that. For Halloween, I, I saw in the grocery store, I mean, I see all kinds of stuff that just makes me roll my eyes and flips, freaks me out. They think go there, stuff. They've got one, I think it's Captain Crunch cereal now. Yeah. That has a chemical added, you know, because every cereal needs chemicals, Sarah. A chemical added to make sure that the milk turns green. Because green milk, after all, is scary for Halloween. Yeah, you know... I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you, when you look at the normal ingredients for these cereals, you know, they're horrific enough. But then, when you compare the... The milk is turning green. Yeah, they add enough um, coloring agents that are made from uh, coal tar-based, coal tar, uh, petroleum-based um, compounds. You know, of course, the main ingredient is GE corn. 
Yeah. They're mostly cereals. Of course. Well, I grew up with in... canola. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I grew up in like the Sonic era where kids were kind of taught through their games and their shows and so forth that toxins were bad and radiation yeah. was bad. And this was really kind of pushed into people. And then there was Popeye, which has been around for I don't know how long, but mm-hmm. it was like, like Str- spinach is what gave him his strength. Yeah, he was stronger to finish because he ate his spinach. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But now you go to this newer generation, and you go on the opposite. You know, you got just this cereal is just the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you take over to the X-Men who get their powers from radiation. Yeah, the radiation mutated their DNA, and now they have superpowers. Yeah. The Hulk was injected with gamma radiation, and now, you know, it's not toxic radiation. You know, <laughs> you know it's not something that you would want to run from during the meltdown. No, it's it's... Good gamma radiation. Yeah, and as the super new mm. ones like Ben 10, it's all the same sort of story mm. and, and taking Well, as, as they're getting more sinister towards trying to desensitize children towards chemicals and radiation and, you know, make them friendly towards these things, they're also becoming more demonic, the cartoons are. Oh, yeah. Um, they have, I don't know, but we, we tried one day, we, we actually sat down for like four hours and tortured ourselves in front of like the Cartoon Network and Disney flipping back and forth. And we could not find any cartoon on cable that for more than, I mean, five or six seconds, you could find a scene where it didn't have three or four sixes. Often in a row, six, six, six. Yeah. And this was normal. I mean, people think this is crazy. I'll tell you what you do. If you've got cable, satellite, whatever, tune in to Cartoon Network or Disney, which there's a cartoon running, and every so often, just freeze it, just pause it, if you can. I guess I guess most people... Well, you can watch these things online, just go to... One yeah, you watch it online. I was thinking, you probably get a TiVo, don't you? Um, probably. But you can go online to, like, Ben 10 or one of these other stupid... Mm-hmm. And then pause cartoons. it there. Yeah. And just look around the scene. There'll be, in almost every scene, three hidden sexes. That's normal now. It, like, can't be a coincidence. Well, cartoons have changed a lot. It used to be all about, you know, defending yourself, your country. Or your country, country. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fighting <laughs> for honor. Yeah. Or your girlfriend, like in Popeye. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like, like, fight and show off your powers. Let's see who's the most powerful. Yeah, power is, has become an end unto itself. Yes. Your power isn't used responsibly. No, power is sought. To obtain more power. Yeah. It's a whole new way of thinking, isn't it's it? It's a whole new twisted way of thinking. Mm-hmm. The people running these networks, I think at one time were Christian. They're, they're not anymore. I mean, they're, they're on the opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. And there's, well, there's increasing levels of lead and cadmium in kids' toys, too. Yeah. Especially in uh, jewelry. Yeah. Then we mentioned that last time. All right. I think we did, but... It's important. I, I say we can hit it really quickly again, Sarah, because it's, it's just so important what they're doing. I mean, what they're doing to kids, it's inexcusable. I'm just going to say, I don't care how unpolitically correct this makes me sound. It can pretty much, as far as the poisoning goes, you can trace it back to China. Mm-hmm. Every case, you can trace it back to China. They don't have a problem poisoning their own children. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and I think, frankly, poisoning American children has become a matter of sport. Yeah. They put antifreeze and the toothpaste, melamine, and the baby formula. Melamine and baby formula. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you people don't know what that is, that's a liver poison, which is slow-reacting, something that will 
cause a child major health problems in three to four years when you're not able to trace it down to its original cause anymore. Yeah. There's also cadmium and lead in the toys, which, interestingly enough, always spikes, all these toys from China, the, the level always spikes around Christmas time. Well, yeah, but you're missing something. Cadmium is not regulated in the United States for uh -huh. toys. That's a new us, one. Yeah, that, they can put as much cadmium in there as they want because previously mm -hmm. there's never been a problem with cadmium Yeah, because cadmium they're, having, toys. they're having more and more problems getting the lead through. It's like the Chinese just found a loophole in American law to poison us with. That's exactly what they did, Sarah. It's not, it's not like that. It's exactly what they're doing. And I have to wonder if they're planning, you know, for a war and another generation when everybody's been dumbed down and mentally poisoned. Because these heavy metals, people don't realize this, but that's, that's the worst thing they do. They attack the mind. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like a regular toxin. While we're on the subject of China, anyway, there's a recent case in which there was a pregnant, eight-month-old eight pregnant woman, I'm sorry, who's door was broken down and she had um, like 12 different federal Chinese agents come into the house, kidnap her after beating her up. She has bruising all over her. Take her to the hospital, then restrain her while she was there so they could inject her with a drug that would kill her eight-month-old child. It was like practically ready to be born. Well, you, you can't have a child at eight months and it lives. That happens, you know, quite a yeah. bit, in fact. Yeah, it was, it was practically ready yeah. to be born, mm -hmm. and they murdered it. That's infanticide, according to, you know, most people. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine a group of 12 men busting down your door to kidnap you? After beating you up, of course, so yeah. they can murder your baby that's about to be born. That was because of the one-child policy, by the way. Yeah, you can't have an exception there, can you, Sarah? Well, actually, in China, they do have exceptions, you see. What happens if you have Probably to... Probably at the top of the Communist Party, then you're, you're an exception. Well, well it's kind of like that. There's a fine if you have more than one child of about 20000 That can be paid off if you're rich and you don't have anything to worry about. Mm -hmm. So those families that are... Well, the only people rich in China are the high-ranking party members. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're fairly unaffected by it. They just pay the fine and go ahead and have as many children as they want mm -hmm. while everybody else is stuck well, with just one. Well, they're, they're rich off the tax money. Off the, <laughs> I mean, everybody else is paying that $20,000. That's what's truly rich about it. And the fact that we are willing to fund China after some of these policies, when we're unwilling to do business with certain other companies, certain other countries, I'm sorry, that have unethical policies too. It's really hard to compete with China. Yes, when it is. comes to being unethical, it oh, yeah. really is tough. Mm -hmm. What they do routinely should be considered acts of war against the United States. In previous generations, it would have been, I have no doubt. Please check us out and read our reports at the HealthWise Report website. You can find us on the internet at healthwise.org. Take special note that WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We spell it W-Y-Z-E to emphasize wisdom. We are a not-for-profit organization, although we are not registered as a not-for-profit, non-profit, or any other classification with any governmental agency. Nevertheless, we are a non-profit organization, so we're always needing donors to help us to continue our work, whether it be the equipment for these radio shows, our website and network infrastructure, various fees for our movie productions, and of course, the occasional video game to help us maintain our sanity through it all. If you are someone who cannot donate, or who does not wish to, you can also support us by visiting our online store. That can also be found at healthwise.org, and again, WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E.
We have to be careful about what claims we make about our products, including claims that can be verified, because we know of at least one governmental agency that would like to shut us down. We can tell you that in our opinion, our colloidal copper lotion has qualities that cannot be found in any other lotion sold, anywhere else. So, if you have joint or skin problems of any kind, we recommend that you check out our lotion. The HealthWise support staff also offers hosting, networking, and technical support for anyone who wants to have their own website or assistance with internet technologies. Our technical skills place us among the best of the best. Thanks for listening to this. We'll go back to the show now. In a recent action by the FDA, they've decided to um, approve Botox for migraines. <laughs> now, right. those of you, some of you don't know about Botox. What it really is, it's the botulism toxin, the, the toxin that gives people... Um, it's food it poisoning, isn't it, Sarah? No, that is what it is. It's a food poisoning that can be fatal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like to, one of the worst kinds. According to the CDC, all forms of botulism are considered medical emergencies. The classic symptoms include double vision, blurred vision, drooping eyelids, sloopy sweet speech, difficulty swallowing, muscle weakness. These are all symptoms of the muscle paralysis caused by the bacterial toxin. If untreated, these symptoms may progress to cause paralysis of the arms, legs, trunk, and respiratory muscles. Okay. Well, those all sound like minor little side effects, Sarah. Yeah, it wouldn't be so astounding if it weren't for something like headaches. Well, this is something that you know, as a medicine, they're going to inject straight into the blood. Well, actually, in this case, it's right into the back of the head, too. It should probably be able to get right into the fluid, the brain fluid, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's 30 to 40 injections at a time in the back of the How head. How many did you say? 30 to 40. 30 to 40. Yeah. Injections of botulism poison. It's like, let food poisoning be thy medicine. It's like that. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Yes. So we were talking about last time on Quack Watch, where the validity of a medicine was determined how by how poisonous it was. Mm-hmm. If if something was non toxic, then it was quote quackery unquote. Yeah. So um, you can call this a lot of things, Sarah, but you can't call it quackery, can you? No. Because it's definitely not non toxic. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, the FDA, it's like it's like chemo for migraines. Mm-hmm. Well, the FDA has already given it its like strongest warning, the botulism toxin that is, which is the black box warning, the one they put on SSRI mm-hmm. antidepressants too, to let you know that this could spread. This paralysis could spread to other areas of the body, potentially causing you to like the, the, die from respiratory failure. Like Guillaume, what was it, Barr? Guillain-Barre syndrome? Guillain-Barre. It's French. I cannot do that. Yeah, like where, you know, they keep telling you vaccines are safe, but yet a certain percentage of the people who take vaccines develop paralysis. And it's not just one or two limbs. It's full-body paralysis. It's like getting your neck broken. Yeah. And that's acceptable, right? It apparently is to them. I mean, I, I can't imagine giving a medicine to someone with the knowledge that it could cause their entire body to become paralyzed. For an unknown period of time. Yeah. I mean, it could be months, could be years. You don't know. And potentially killing them. 
Yeah, if it shuts down the respiratory tract, you know, their mm-hmm. their lungs. Um, well, of course, the heart. You know, you're, you're going to have to get them on a, some kind of ventilator machine or something. Mm-hmm. Of course, if it get, strikes the heart, you're right. They may not be able to do anything about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can sit there with the shock paddles till the cows come home, but sometimes it's just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while... Um, uh, medicine does come up with something something purely astounding, mm-hmm. and I came across that when I found um, a wound powder, which is actually capable of allowing a, a chopped-off fingertip to actually grow back. Mm-hmm. It may not really be medicine in the, quote, conventional sense nowadays, because it uses natural methods. Yeah, that's the thing. They use, quote, <laughs> fatty acid therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, somehow they've found a way to patent fatty acid therapy. Yeah. Again, if it comes from nature, you're not supposed to be able to patent it. I guess maybe they found a way around that by saying our unique combination of fatty acids yeah. is patentable. You know? Mm-hmm. That's like putting up a herbal tea. That's like coming up with a herbal tea. And you add a certain amount of this herb, that herb, that cinnamon cloves, and so forth. And then you say, well, this unique combination of cinnamon cloves and other herbs is patentable. Mm -hmm. Because it has a special benefit in these special ratios. But I think it's a lot of bull, to be honest with you, Sarah. I mean, it's like if it's a natural substance... You should not be able to patent it. Well, what gets me is not that they have a patent so much. I wouldn't mind if it was a defensive patent. But it's a, it's a monopoly it's patent. Exactly. They don't want anybody else to be able to regrow the fingertip. Yeah. yeah it, it really is amazing, too. What they've come up with is a compound that if somebody gets their fingertip, I'm not sure if Sarah covered this well enough or not, but if you get your finger sliced off the end of it, this, this special stuff... This compound will make your finger grow back. Like a lizard. Yeah, like a lizard. You know, you pull his tail off, his tail grows back. What's well, sort of like that with the finger. And something like that should be available to everyone. Oh, Rich, yeah. poor, whoever. You shouldn't have to lose a finger because you're poor. Mm-hmm. Folks, that's just wrong. That is so wrong on so many levels. But this company has this monopoly patent yeah, on this. Yeah, it's called Acel Corporation. Yeah, nobody else can produce it. Nobody else can sell it. Mm-hmm. But Acel. And that means if you chop off your finger or part of your finger and you don't have the insurance or the money to come up with. Or if it just isn't available or anything there and you have to oh, wait yeah, because not, of their, their patent to so yeah, tight and restrict. Yeah, they don't have an agreement with that hospital or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just lose that finger. Fingers aren't that important other times. You know, that is you know, that that is just a glaring example of what's wrong. Yeah. I mean I mean, think about that. There will be people out there who because they live in the wrong area or because they're just poor, they're gonna lose their finger. Because some company has to have a monopoly on healing fingers. No company should be allowed to have a monopoly on healing anything. Yeah. It's like the thing with the cancer drugs. You know, (laughs) we know they don't work, but there was a time when I believed that they probably did or they wouldn't be using them. But let's let's just pretend we're in a bizarre world for a minute where cancer is easily curable because of all these great miracles that always work. All right? Yeah. 
even if that were true, no company should have a monopoly patent on any of these solutions. And, and what, when people justify it thinking, well, companies spent billions developing it, no. Your tax money was spent to develop those drugs. Mm-hmm. And then they were turned over to companies that were given monopoly patents to them. So then they can restrict your access to the drugs you paid to develop. Well, it's like with this whole, you know, let's find the cure thing and the amount that is donated to these companies that goes to pharmaceutical companies to, quote, study more, which usually goes just to more marketing. But anyway, imagine if they did just find the cure tomorrow with all this money that's come from the Suzanne Komen and so forth, mm-hmm. all the different pink organizations. It would go the way of the high-efficiency electric car, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. But... Even if it was approved and put out there, <laughs> right? would they give it to you for free since you paid with your money to have to it, develop it to develop? Would you then own part of it? Would you have a right to that? No. No, they would, they would continue to monopolize it and restrict it and dish it out to the highest bidder. Exactly what they do. Exactly what they've done historically with anything else that, well, works. But they have such a few things that... Work, Sarah. I mean, seriously. There is no disease that they can cure except for those that they can cure with antibiotics, which isn't really a disease. You know, it's more of a pathogen, you know, like Lyme disease and so forth. Antibiotics don't even do anything, really. All they do is give the body a hostile environment so that whatever bacteria is in there has trouble reproducing. I mean, when you think about it, taking an antibiotic is, is a little different than having a fever. It just creates a hostile environment in which breeding is difficult. Yeah. In actuality, they usually attack the body as much as they do the pathogen. <sighs> of course, most of them have immunosuppressants nowadays, so you actually feel better in the short term. Even though you're actually still sick? You're sicker, actually. Mm-hmm. But you feel better in the short term. In the long term, you pay for it. You darn well had better get some antibiotics the next time you get sick after that, because your immune system's just not going to be the same. Yeah. Because you're going to have all that mold, those mold chemicals in you, along with the heavy metals and the fluoride residue all that you've bombarded yourself with, with the antibiotics. Yeah. People don't know that every pharmaceutical out there pretty much has fluoride in it for no reason. Oh, yeah. That can't be for anything but to generate more business. Didn't we learn that from Nurse Olivia? You remember her? I don't remember. Probably. It's a shame we lost her. She was somebody that was, for those of you who've never heard of Nurse Olivia, um, she was someone in our movement. She had gained quite a bit of prestige and quite a large following. We were fans of hers, too. And um, apparently she was threatened. I don't know how she was threatened or how many threats she got, but they pretty much took her out. And, but fortunately, she's still alive. I mean, they didn't really hurt her, but they scared her enough to where she pulled her you know, sight down and shut up. and. Basically, wrote. Right away. Yeah, she wrote. A, she wrote a goodbye and an apology to everyone. Essentially, never came back. Yeah, I was really hoping that she would. After a <laughs> while, you know, she'd mm-hmm. gather up the guts again. There's, there's, so f- yeah, there's so few people in this movement, leaders, that you can actually respect and look up to. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you can like count them on half of one hand, almost. <laughs> and Olivia was one of those people. Um, I, I can't remember her full name. She was Jewish, so she had some kind of unusual name. Yeah, um, from Israel, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, moving on, mm -hmm. um, there's something that I'd like to get people to know about because uh, this affects a lot of people, and that's ulcers. Ulcers are a long-term problem for a lot of people. It's incurable, isn't it, Sarah? Well, according to some it is. It used to be uh -huh. at one point that it was caused by stress. It's, apparently it was caused by alcohol. Um, it's, of course, caused by different pharmaceuticals. Well, now in the case of ulcers, they've um, decided that it's genetic. You see, after, they, after a while when they've decided that they've given up, come up with excuses and explanations for mm -hmm. why they're happening, they just say it's genetic, it's, it's and all genetic. that way they can exhume responsibility away from mm -hmm. everybody. Or it's an autoimmune disorder, Sarah. Well, it could be that, too. Yeah, but when it's autoimmune, it's usually classed as genetic, too. Oh, okay. It's just a subset of a genetic disorder then. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're putting genetic disorders in uh -huh. categories now. I, I see. Now, now I'm educated. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, back in 1949, there mm -hmm. was a study, that's the set of studies, which were looking at <clears throat> the effects of cabbage juice on uh, ulcers. Okay. Now, they found that drinking cabbage juice every day for 10 days in their study resulted in complete elimination of everybody's ulcers, including severe now, now, cases. Now, wait a minute. That was just remission of the ulcers, right? No. That, was just, that wasn't just remission? No, they completely went away. Did you, did you say cure? Did you just use the C word? Uh-huh. You, you did, didn't you? I did. Okay, well, cures don't happen. Well, they happen with natural medicines. And it happened in this case. And not only did a cure happen, but 10 days is much, much shorter than any pharmaceutical out there that suppresses these temporarily. So you're saying if I had an ulcer, you wouldn't recommend a Zantac for me or some Tums? I'd recommend cabbage juice. And I know it may actually sound kind of, um, well, disgusting to a lot of people out there, though nobody actually dropped out of the, um, <coughs> the studies based on taste. Yeah, it was probably worth it to them. I mean, here, you get a choice, Sarah. You can you can get on the medical treadmill, mm -hmm. pay untold amounts of money, and for a period of many years, probably the rest of your life, you can periodically enjoy the feeling of being stabbed. Or you can drink cabbage juice for 10 days. It's a tough one, isn't it, when yeah. you weigh it? Well, I know that in this study... Um what they did was they told these people not only to drink this cabbage juice, but just drink cooked foods alongside of that. Mm -hmm. See, they didn't want other raw foods to interfere with their results, like another, you know, somebody's eating blueberries and they happen to be of good use for it, too. So whoever was doing this study had faith in raw foods. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they knew that the natural whole foods can heal, you know. Just like they do with diabetes. Yeah, exactly. But... um and this was just, the only thing that was there was cabbage juice. Everything else was a regular mm -hmm. cooked meal. They were, the test subjects never had ulcers again, did they? I mean, no, nothing. It was it was completely gone. That's great. Eradicated. Yeah. Or cured, cured. If, if I can be so bold and say that word. Yeah, and this is published over at uh, the National Institutes of Health website. And if you search our website for, you know, cabbage juice or mm -hmm. ulcers, You'll find the study there. I, I link straight to it. You can look at it yourself. And you know what's sad? They've known about this since 1949. 
Now, do you want to do the math? How long ago was that, Sarah? Well, it was four years after the end of World War II. I'll I mean, we're up. talking like 60-something years here. Mm-hmm. They've known about this and covered it up. I mean, think of the money that's spent on ulcers. Think of the years of treatment that people get for ulcers. They they become, uh, you know, like an, like another addict to the doctor. They They never get off the treadmill. Yeah. And all they have to do is go to the grocery store and pick up the cure. Yeah. A very cheap cure, I might add. Be quite a few cabbages, but yes, <laughs> definitely very cheap. Well, I mean, what would it be, a cabbage a day, ten cabbages? Yeah. Think of the savings. Uh-huh. Uh, if I had ulcers, Sarah, I have, I'd have no problem, you know, buying ten cabbages. Yeah, definitely. I'd gladly do it. Mm-hmm. Which also shows, and this is just sort of an aside here, that if cabbage can cure an ulcer, a natural method, then the condition itself was caused by natural methods, by a a certain lifestyle that led to that, a certain probably diet Mm -hmm. that led to that. My guess would be something that was high on processed foods. I'm sure. But whatever that imbalance is, cabbage juice resets it. We've mentioned diabetes several times. Diabetes is a very sore point for the establishment, and it's becoming more of a sore point, sore point, kind of like autism has become. Autism has become something of an embarrassment. Diabetes is starting to become an embarrassment because people are beginning to get cured of diabetes because of people like us, because of the power of the Internet. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Thomas, that's the reason that they're going after chelation therapy now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, so the FDA yeah, is all about all of a sudden, because now people are curing <laughs> their child's autism by doing the heavy metal cleanses with chelation Which therapy. Which proves that the heavy metals from the vaccines caused it. And that's evidence that they don't want. No. They don't want to hear it. We've, got, we've found, like... A, a tremendous amount of studies that we've put up, you know, and we've listed on our website and displayed proof that other countries around the world have shown that thimerosal, you know, are injected into people, causes you know, autistic symptoms. Mm-hmm. Well, the worst one is that, uh, is it called MMR? Yeah, measles and rubella. The three-stage one, that's, that's by far the most wicked of all the vaccines, but they're all bad. People think it's no big deal. And we were talking about this earlier. One of the problems with the vaccines isn't just that they're toxic. We we know they are. We're not even going there because we're beating dead horse at this point. And and the chelation therapies that they're trying to suppress now are evidence that the vaccines caused it. One thing people don't realize is that the vaccines, as I was saying, are one size fits all. That means if I get a hepatitis B vaccine, I, as a grown man, will get the same strength and size dosage that an infant who was two days old. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that some guy actually did the math, you know, comparing body weight, sizes, and volumes. Every shot that an infant gets, every vaccine, is the equivalent to 30 shots for an adult. Some children get three or four shots a day in early childhood. Mm-hmm. Imagine each of those multiplied by 30 to get the effect. And in addition to that, as, as like we were just talking about with the MMR vaccine, people are combining these. 
It's like with these SSR psychiatric drugs. You know, one's not enough anymore. You got to give one, then you got to give another one to counteract the effects of the other one, and then you got to give another one to counteract the effects of the second one. Over a short period of time, people end up taking a cocktail, and these are usually children who these drugs aren't even approved for. Oh, in most cases. Yeah, well, I don't believe there are any, um, that, uh, as far as psychiatric drugs go, that are approved for kids under the age of 18, but they're prescribed off-label. And none of, them, none of them are tested and approved to be taken in multiples, no. not mixed with three or four others. Now, no, nobody's doing studies on, on drug cocktails because they know what the results mm-hmm. are going to be. They're going to yeah. be unpredictable, and they're going to show that these things are dangerous. Well... Uh, back on the diabetes thing, because I still got this in the back of my mind. You keep butting heads with people over diabetes, Sarah. You remember online? We, we've gone to, we've tried to sort of spread the word. You know, we, we do more than just do reports and do shows. We're actually in this to try to help people as well. And, you know, like with diabetes, if it can be cured, we think the message needs to get out, regardless of how much resistance we get. And regardless of how much the mainstream media wants to suppress that. And Sarah has been all over the place to various diabetic forms, trying to talk about it. And the reaction is always the same. The people running these forums, boards, and websites react to Sarah as if she were a turd in the punch bowl. Oh, yeah. Tell them about it, Sarah. Well, yeah, it's like whenever you go to forums and so forth, they don't want to hear you use the word cure. In it's fact, a C word. In fact, that word is specifically banned on a lot of these diabetes. You've forms. actually been told that. They yeah. actually said, you cannot use the word cure here. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to use that word. You'll have to use an alternative word. Yeah, it's like the whole 1984 thing, restrict the vocabulary and restrict uh-huh. the ideas. Because people, yeah. I went, to, I went to one of these forums Sarah had tried to speak on and it was really interesting the political maneuvering Sarah was coming up with to sneak it in. It was it was almost comical. Them trying to shut her up without cutting her off completely. Because cutting her off completely makes them look bad. It makes them look like there is a cover up and there really is. So they, they don't want to completely silence her but they want to change the message. So I saw one guy actually coaching you Sarah mm-hmm. telling you what you should say, okay, you should re- you should rephrase that as this, because this is what you really mean. I took this dude, he put he had his picture and his name and all that good stuff, you know, the you know, moderator for the forum. Mm-hmm. I looked him up. He's an author of diabetic books. It's always like that, Thomas, that either a massive website <clears throat> that's getting funding directly from major companies, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, like the diabetic associations or they they have some other financial interests, such yeah. as you know writing it's, it's a book like or so forth. If if the general public knew that there was a cheap, effective cure for diabetes that anybody could use, they didn't need to see a doctor for. Well, how well would that book sell? How many How to Live with Diabetes books would he be able to sell after that? Yeah, it just really, wouldn't happen. Yeah, they're, they're afraid. If he really was right by saying diabetes is incurable, then he'd have no problem with you speaking your mind and saying what you believe. He would just debate you on the matter. But the guy reacted with fear and anger. Which is typical. Which tells me that deep down, he's concerned that you're right. Mm -hmm. It's like the thing I was talking about when I was studying law enforcement, you know? And the guy said that the drug war was was really a war on the Bill of Rights. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I was this gung-ho little cadet guy that just burned me up. And I never realized why it burned me up so much that this career police officer said that. I guess he was right. He was right. That's why it bothered me. It ate away at me, like, to no end, Sarah. Yeah. And, you know, nowadays it still eats away at me, not because I disagree with it, but because I do know it's right. It, it is a war on the Bill of Rights. Yeah. But I've, I've seen you go to forum after forum after forum, and they shut the door on you. Yeah, they do. Well, if you liked the show, and we both hope that you did, you can find more shows on our audio archive. You can visit our website. It's healthwise.org. Remember that wise is spelled W-Y-Z-E, which is to put emphasis on the wisdom. So again, that's health, W-Y-Z-E, Dot org. On our top menu, there's a link to the audio archive, and there you'll find all of our shows that you can listen to from start to finish. We have a lot of them. You can also visit our online store or donate. We certainly appreciate it whenever you can. And there are ways that you can support us without giving us any money. You can tell your friends and family about us. We don't have a marketing staff. We really do rely on you to spread the word. You can list us in your email signature so that there's a link to us on every email that you send. You can link to us on your website or your blog. You can sign up to our mailing list and you can start discussions there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can help out. We send out an email whenever we put out an article or we publish a new show. So if you want to be updated, that's a good way to get updated. Also, if anybody needs us, if you need to speak to us about any health issue or anything else, you can always go to the Contact Us page on our website and you can send us an email or you can call us. We do actually answer the phone. People are really shocked when they find out that we do, but we are actually here. We're human. Well, I guess that's about it, Thomas. Toodaloo. Bye.